Hey everybody, welcome to the Good Evening Kitties podcast, a Tales from the Crip review. My name is Melissa, your ghost is with the mostest, and today's episode is season five, episode 13, Till Death Do We Part. And I have with me again, guest host Mike. Hi Mike. Good evening, kitties. Welcome back. Ah, it's great to be back. So this episode is the last episode for season five. So I'll be wrapping up season five and then moving on to season six. So season five, episode 13, Till Death Do We Part. Let's talk about it. As always, John Kassir does the voice of the Crypt Keeper and Danny Elfman does the theme song. This episode aired December 8th, 1993. It's directed by W. Peter Illith, who also directed movies like Rites of Passage. The screenplay is also by W. Peter Illith. It stars Kate Vernon from TV's Battlestar Galactica, the good one. Oh, gonna start a fight. <laughs> oh, I think a lot of people will agree with me that the recent one's the better one. John Stamos from TV's Full House, Robert Picardo from TV's Star Trek Voyager, Frank Stallone from movies like Hudson Hawk, Johnny Williams from movies like Goodfellas, and Eileen Brennan from movies like Clue. So it's a fairly large cast. So I'm going to go ahead here and read the description on the back of the box for Season 5, Episode 13, Till Death Do We Part. What if a gigolo romancing a mob-connected older woman eyes an attractive young waitress? What if? What if? What if? It's like a question mark right afterwards. Yeah, it's kind of a weird way that they write it. It's like a Netflix description. It's so generalized, you have no idea what the episode is actually about beyond like just one little like thing about the plot. Yeah, I'm not sure what they're asking what if about. Yeah. I, well, actually, you know, now I do. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I guess I'll say it. So, because there's different scenarios yeah. in the episode that oh, are kind of played spoilers. out. Well, we're getting ready to get to it. <laughs> But there are different there's scenarios. A tr- there's a twist, folks. Yeah, there is there's quite a, a twist. There's a couple twists in this. <laughs> there's different scenarios, so maybe that's where they're like, what if I did this and this would happen? What, you know, it was, yeah. So, okay, it's still just a weird way to put it. So this one opens up. The Crypt Keeper is an announcer on a radio station called KRPT, Crypt. Uh-huh. <laughs> and there's candles, and he's in the crypt, and he's got like a real bad toupee on and a suit. And he's watching the TV with binoculars. Well, he has a headset on. They're talking about like a baseball game. And at first you're like, you're like, what does this have to do with the episode? Um, Not a whole lot. Mostly that later, I mean, they're listening to a baseball game during the episode. Yeah, I mean, it's very... (laughs) But at least it's something. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's not like some episodes where we've struggled to think, okay, how does... How does this link up? How, what does this have in common with the episode? And most, and sometimes, especially since season three, it's been nothing. Well, and what's fun is it cuts over to this little picture of like a ball diamond, right? Oh, and yeah. he's talking about the different players. And what's great is that on first base is ooze, second <laughs> base is guts, third base is terror. The umpire is Feldstein. 1940 kids will know. No, it's the people <laughs> tied to the Tales from the Crypt. No, they're, they're, it's off of Abbott and Costello's Who's on First. That's what they're referencing. Oh my gosh, is that it? Who's on First? You didn't <gasps> get that. I did not. <laughs> That's okay. Ooh, I like that. It's from before your time. No, I know that joke. It just, I, I didn't catch that. <laughs> but Feldstein is on the catcher's mound, and Gaines, as in William Gaines, is in the pitcher's mound, mm-hmm. which is tied to Tales from the Crypt, EC Universe. So it's kind of a little nod to them. Cuts to the episode. So it's these woods. You know, you're kind of like in the middle of nowhere. Kind of get like a, I got kind of got like a New Jersey Pine Barrens kind of feel from it. Yeah. Just because you know this whole thing. Just well, feels their like accents a, too. Yeah, this whole yeah. thing sounds like the mob in Atlantic City kind of thing. So. And so there's this limousine, and it's pulling up into this ravine, this like clearing, 
in these woods. And Frank Stallone, as in, I believe it's Sylvester Stallone's brother. I think so. Which, it does look like him. Yeah. Gets out of the car and, you know, he's taking his coat off. And he's looking around, making sure no one's around. And so he pulls out a little radio and there's a baseball game going on. And he's listening to it. And then out of the car comes Kate Vernon. And she's with this other guy who works with this group. And he's got a gun to her. And so he's having her walk out to this little clearing. And Frank Stallone is putting on an apron. And they're popping the trunk. Like a butcher's apron. Yeah, like to keep his clothes clean. Because they're all in sharp suits. Everyone's got nice clothes in this episode. You're going to dismember a body. You still don't want to get your Armani stained. (laughs) So they're opening it up. And it's just kind of sad because it's like, so it's these guys who are getting rid of a body. Their boss is Eileen Brennan, who is Uh fun in this episode. She is fun. She is... She is a it. scary lady. Oh, she's is just watch it just for her performance if you want. Like it's she comes off as well. We'll talk about this later, but she comes <laughs> off as very believable in the role. You know. Yes. So they want Lucy's help. Lucy is played by Kate Vernon, and so they're like, "Come over here and help us." And so the poor thing, she's scared. She's got a gun to her. She's got like a cute white blouse and stuff. And then they're in suits, and they're pulling a body out of the back of the trunk, and it's been kind of wrapped up in some like clear tarp stuff. But they're having her help. She's got to help. With this body removal, because they're gonna cut it up in little pieces and either bury it know. or. I know it's highly macabre, as they would say, but I've always enjoyed scenes and of, of like truly horrific acts being displayed, being performed with a certain air of boredom or just like this is just a job kind of feeling. Because it you is. Know? I mean, this is their routine. It's just like you know, guy complaining at the other one. Oh, you didn't wrap him up well enough. Is leaking all over the trunk. Yeah, apparently leaked in the trunk, and then he's got an axe, and he's literally, like, he's like, he's done this before. Yeah. Right, so he's like, this. I like to keep it clean, I've done this enough to where I have a routine. They roll the tarp out, and the guy's body comes out, and she's like, oh, I'm gonna be sick, and she throws up. And this whole time, the baseball game is going on still, and he's like, uh, Frank Stillman's character is practicing his back, his swing, hmm. his baseball swing with the axe. Nearly throws out his back doing it. Yeah. This thing better have a good edge on it. You know, if my chiropractor knew I was doing this, he'd kill me. Forget about it. Said to wait until Tony's done. She wanted you to watch. Yeah, she kind of swoons and faints a little when he starts chopping the body up. And it's a lovely, beautiful, sunny day out (laughs) while all of this is happening. So they're like, no, the boss was adamant that you watch this. Like, she's like, I want you to watch this body get dismembered. They're like, great. I just had a thought. This is a kind of an interesting kind of segue because not all of this, not all of the episodes in Tales from the Crypt are really strictly horror. This is really just more of a kind of like a, a mob episode. This is just like yeah. a crime episode, really. Yeah, it's a crime episode. So yeah, so Lucy's there and she threw up and this guy who's playing Frank Bobo. <laughs> Bobo. But some of these names are, are interesting. For the characters here, you got Kate Vernon, she's playing Lucy. Later we'll meet John Stamos, he's playing Johnny. So you got Johnny and Lucy, you're like, alright, fine. Then you got Robert Picardo playing Frank Bobo. Then you got Frank Stallone playing Tony. Because you got to have a Tony. Frank, Tony, <laughs> this is just... 
And then later uh, we'll meet a guy played by Johnny Williams named Willard Boogeyman. Boogeyman, Boogeyman yeah, yes. Willard Boogeyman. Boogeyman. <laughs> and then Eileen Brennan plays Ruth. Just Ruth. Yeah. I mean, I think she's got other names. So now they're leading. So after this guy's starting to get chopped up, they're leading Lucy to a little farther down the clearing, uh, Frank is. And now they're going to kill her. Now it's her turn. So this whole scene is just like a lot because <laughs> Frank is just real bad about yeah, this is <laughs> dragging it out. Very uncomfortable, somewhat ghoulish, you know, scavenger-like instincts of this guy. Well, it's like she's already terrified. She's um, she's about ready to get killed, and he's dragging it out. You think that their boss would be like, "Come on, we got to get going," yeah. but I guess there's time to kill because the guy's Tony's still chopping up the other dude. So they're trying to. <laughs> but I feel like they're trying to multitask. <laughs> I feel like you're buying, you're giving her too much time. So, you know, mm-hmm. you can also tell he enjoys what he does. The guy who's taunting her. Like, he's got the gun to her. Oh, yeah, he's a piece of shit. Yeah, and he's trying to act like he's a nice guy, but he's like, oh, I like your jewelry. So he wants the jewelry, and then he realizes he wants his clothes, possibly for his daughter. She's about her size. Lucy's preparing to die. This baseball game is going on, and part of me is like, wouldn't it be horrible if the last thing you hear before you die is a baseball game that you don't care about? Like, it'd be pretty bad if you're just like, this is the last thing I get to hear? This baseball game that I don't care anything about? I'm probably not going to find out the ending. I don't know who wins because I'm going to die. So like, oh no, you don't like baseball. Everyone <laughs> likes baseball. This is where what she's got to hear. And yeah, so this guy Frank Bobo is asking her for you know her clothes and everything like that. And so she's starting to take off her jewelry and stuff. So we'll get to the clothes in a bit. But she's taking off her jewelry, and then it cuts back. So now we're going back, not by too much. I don't think it's too long, like a day or two. Yeah. So now they're cutting back to the club. The club is called Ruthless Ruths is the name of the club and it's ran by Ruth and Ruth is played by Eileen Brennan let me set the scene so it's kind of like a swanky kind of bar lounge area it's the kind of thing that people would call classy but really it's kind of a dump yeah and the guys are sitting there and Eileen's in the back of the like circular booth and they got booze and they got shots and Eileen's boy toy is played by John Stamos Johnny He's probably at least 20 to 25, maybe even 30 years younger than her. He gets everything paid for for him, and he just provides her with attention and arm candy and probably other services as well. And she is just, she's kind of fabulous, but like in an evil way. In, like a Cruella de kind of a kind trashy of. <laughs> way, too. Like, that's the thing. You, get, you kind of get the idea that she's been doing this since Prohibition. <laughs> yeah, she's a little trashy. She's got like, red is her color. She looks great, I think. I mean, it's a little trashy, but, like, she's got the red dress on a red lipstick, and she's smoking with, like, one of those long things with the cigarette yeah, on the end. Yeah, the cigarette holder and everything. And they're just laughing, having a great time. And Lucy, Kate Vernon's character, is their waitress. She works there at the lounge. And so she's bringing them their shots, and, like, John Stamos is kissing all over Ruth, and they're all smoking, or was just smoking. And um, these guys kind of all just dote on her because she's the boss. Yeah, you, you got to keep the boss happy. Yes. Especially if she's your murderous mob mom. Yeah, because there's definitely at least... Uh, actually, yeah, I did look it up, and there is a 30-plus year gap between yeah. John Stamos and Eileen Brennan. Which is an interesting kind of subversion. You know, usually you see, like, some older man in power with, like, this young thing off his arm. Yeah, I kind of like then, the switch. Like, the, well, I mean, it, you know, either way, it's kind of creepy if you think about yeah. it. But he, I don't think he has much more choice than that woman would if she was a he, if you know what I mean. That's true. So then she does that thing that I hate sometimes that they do in shows where they actually did this also on another episode of Tales from the Crypt and the Thing from the Grave where Johnny's like kissing all over her and then she sees Lucy and she's like, Johnny, don't you think Lucy's pretty? <laughs> and he's supposed to be all like, 
Not as pretty as you, baby. Mrs. Bratzi, would you care for anything else? Nothing you can help me with, honey. Johnny, would you care for anything else? No, thank mm. you, sweetheart. You're very pretty. Lucille is very pretty, don't you think so, Johnny? The customers think so. She does a good job for it. Do you think Lucille is pretty? I only have eyes for you, sweet. Oh, Johnny, get And she's like, that's right. You know, that's a good answer. You know? So it's like, I hate it's that like, kind of stuff where you're like just setting it up you're, for you're the fish, situation. You're really fishing hard for that compliment. So they're all smoochy smoochy and all the other guys are just like, this is great, whatever. So then she leaves the table and there's this random dude who's just like, he has no point in this except for maybe to give her a reason to think there might be better guys out there. Because I do kind of like him. He seems a little shifty, but he's just kind of drinking and flirting with her. They're rolling dice for, like, odds and play, like, a dice game. But he seems okay. Well, they seem like they're actually friends, like they know each other. He wouldn't turn her down if she was interested. Well, obviously. he's also not going to crowd her into a room and do he's, something. He's, he's drinking alone at the bar. He's there to cruise. But then he just gets up and leaves. He's like, all right, cool, peace out, you know, and he leaves. So she's cleaning up and everything, and she's talking to the bartender, and the bartender is kind of like, Ruthless Ruth really is pretty ruthless. Just be careful what you're getting involved with, because these guys don't mess around. People go missing and death and... And death. Just death. <laughs> Just missing and death. <laughs> Just death and so now she goes to clock out from her shift, which it's the old-timey clock out. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Putting the paper in the thing and going... Man. And clicking out to clock out for the day. Which is interesting because, like, you could always get someone to clock in or clock out for you with that method. Now it's like a whole sign-in thing that you have to do online, usually. Yeah. But back then you could be like, you know, like, make a call from the phone booth. You guys remember phone booths? Make a call from the phone booth and be like, <laughs> I'm not going to be there for 10 more minutes. Can you just clock me in real quick? And someone's like, it's done. Hurry up before the boss gets in, you know. I know. It's so weird how, like, just computers in general and cell phones and mass communications have changed everything. It's just the way we view things. Like, looking back on this now, even as a 35-year-old, this is quaint. <laughs> yes, so she's clocking out, and next to her is John Stamos, and he's like, Hey. <laughs> he's like, Hey, what's up? What's up, baby? And at first, you're not sure. You're thinking they're just like kind of friends or whatever. And there's like a side room next to where you clock out, and it's like an office for Ruth. I think they also probably live here, maybe above. I could see that you would. Maybe. Like you'd live above it. Okay, so she gets this watch. I, was that a gift from Johnny? I think so, yeah. Okay. That would make sense then later when she has to take the watch off. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a gift from Johnny. So she's got this watch. She's like, oh my God, I love it. It's beautiful. And they're going into this office, which is extremely risky for what they're about to do. So they're going into this office and John Stamos is trying to be all sexy. Like, hey, baby. And he's just like leaning up against the wall. I mean, they're both good looking. Yes. They're both very attractive. It's just kind of funny because John Stamos is in the Uncle Jesse period of his life here. Like he's on full house at this time. Although we talked about this, though, that really doesn't make that much of a difference. I mean, it wasn't the main guy from Full House also doing dirty stand-up, so... Yeah. Was it Bob Saget? Bob Saget. Yeah, 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 so... But to put him in this, like, more of a sexual role, in a way. I mean, it's not super, but it's definitely... Well, I mean, like... the same the same family that's going to be watching Full House might not even have cable to watch HBO, so... <laughs> I guess. And so then they start making out up against the door of the office. And they're like, oh my god, baby, I love you so much. You're the best. I love you. I... Like the, the weird bitey kisses, like, home. She's like opening his shirt up and kissing his chest. Almost like a vampire scene about how because she's like paying a lot of attention to his neck. I was expecting any moment to be like, 
And so his plan is that any day now he'll get the combination for her safe. And he's like, I'll get Ruth's combination. We'll get this money. I mean, you're ready to get out of here. Screw all these people. All I gotta do is like bang her a few more times. <laughs> and then Just a few more. So then it cuts back. Cuts back to the day that she's going to die on this yes, landing, right? Yes, Cuts and back to the forest. Yes, they're in the forest. I, uh, Ruth is looking out the limo window. She's like, yes, everything's going to plan, and the window comes up. Imagine a gun mall who probably was quite the looker back in the 20s and 30s, and now it's the 90s. And, well, she hasn't changed her, her, her dressing or habits or attitude at all. But Well, it's know. only been like a day, I think. This is like the next morning. From the 1920s? Yes, from the 1920s. <laughs> this is, it's not just nonlinear people. There's time travel involved. Well, her hair's kind of, like, frizzy. Like, it needs some, like, anti-frizz shampoo. But, so she's watching. She's like, yay. And so, <laughs> Frank Stolen's character is still chopping that body up. He's pulling his back. He's like, whoa, I'm getting too uh, old for I this. gotta retire from killing people. <laughs> but he's hoping a lot of the animals will drag it away. I think other bodies they put there, the animals kind of run <laughs> I mean... off with the pieces. So, now the guy's sitting there, like I said, about he's going to want her clothes, too. So, he's like, what size is your clothes? And it's it's creepy. Yeah. And it's creepy, too, because he wants to give it to, like, his daughter. He's like, yeah, oh, see, it, It's, it's about daughter. the principle of the thing. It's, like, that kind of thing to where, like, you can see a body getting hacked up here. Like, ha, that's funny. But then, like, someone being like, before I kill you, can I have, like, your clothes for my family? And that's just like, dude, that's crossing a line. I don't know how to describe it. He was saying, because he's looking at her, he's like, you know, you got a great body. What size is you? A six. He's like, my wife used to be a six till she had three kids. I mean, she's still you know, my wife, but like, wow. she doesn't have the same figure. <laughs> and it's like, so he, this guy uh. has a wife and three kids. And then he comes home and brings them gifts from his whatever job he's telling them he has, unless they actually know. And I like this juxtaposition, though, here, where she's starting to take her clothes off, and then it cuts back to, like, the day before, and her clothes are, are her tops off. So it's like she kind of takes <laughs> it off, and then it cuts back to when her other t her top was off earlier. Now they're kissing, they both don't have their tops on, like, she's still in her, yeah, her bra and underwear. And then he's in, yeah, she's got, like, the whitest, whitest bra and <laughs> underwear, and these black heels, and then he's still got his jeans. It's really risky. They're on the desk in they're the right office. They're right on, on Ruth's desk, In yeah. the club. Like, I don't know where he was expecting her to be, but now she's coming back. So she's coming back. Ruth is coming to the office. They're like, oh my God, what am I going to do? So now they're like, hurry, grab the clothes. So he grabs the clothes and throws her in the, behind this curtain. He's trying to make it look like nothing was going on. Uh, he starts to put his shirt back on. It's not quite buttoned all the way. So Ruth comes in with her two henchmen, uh, Frank and Tony, and this third guy who I believe is Willard Boogeyman. Willard Boogeyman. I say he owes him money. He did something wrong. He's not on screen for that long. John Stamos is on the side smoking like, oh, you know, nothing's going on. Oh my God. And she may not show it now, but she knows something's up. She's not stupid. She knows he's trying to cover up whatever's going on. And she gets to it in a second. But right now she's got business because she is a professional businesswoman. A professional criminal businesswoman. Okay, but she's also got her black fur coat. She's very fancy. It almost, it's like a combination of Cruella de Vil and Mrs. Hannigan from Annie is what it kind of reminds me of, like the trashy, but like also kind of like classy. Kind of reminds me a bit of Bedelia from Creepshow, in fact, from the first episode, mm. Father's Day, if you remember. In fact, very similar roles in life. I mean, kind of involved with organized crime, both, yeah. uh, you know, involved in moitas. But Bedelia was way more relatable, whereas this lady, oh, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I guess if I was power mad and like to kill people, 
Yeah, so this guy Willard screwed up. I'm not exactly sure. Some sort of deal. It's not really that important. This guy is giving them crap, though. Like, this guy is going out of the way to insult them while he's in their office. and It's, it's not really clear exactly what's going on, but we get the feeling yeah. like he feels like I mean, he's it is. getting I just, I'm not gonna taken advantage of. <laughs> I'm not going to look it up. It does, it, well, it doesn't matter. No, because he's literally on the screen for, like, a minute. So he's in here in this suit, and then... He's, like, getting frustrated because they don't understand what's going on, this guy Willard. And so he's, like, saying it's all their fault. And then he's, like, well, this is what happens when you deal business with a woman. And, of course, that pisses yeah. Ruth off. And one thing I respect <laughs> about Ruth, oh, I respect this... about Ruth, unlike other bosses that are shown, like, mob bosses and stuff in groups, she will do her own killing. It's interesting, you know, I always talk about, like, female killers and how, you know, oftentimes in criminology they talk about how a lot of them prefer to do it by poisoning mm -hmm. and stuff like that. No, no, she just hauls off and stabs this guy. Yes, and I appreciate that she's not like, Tony, take care of him or whatever, like they do in some shows. Oh, yeah, things. that happens a lot. She just yeah. immediately grabs, I think a, I think it's a letter opener. Yeah, oh, yeah, it's visceral. It comes up behind <laughs> him right into his back, and there's just, like, blood everywhere. I love how, like, the, the yell she gives is more out of, like, it seems like she's just frustrated. She's sick of hearing him talk. And I mean, she's just like, might, ah, shut up. It might be to also give her, like, a, she's kind of a small older lady to maybe give her a little bit of power, like, you know, you <laughs> really put it in there. So he's getting stabbed to death. And Lucy's watching from the curtain, and she's like, oh my gosh, everything's so bad, oh my god. You know, like, she can't believe it. She's like, I hope she doesn't find out I'm half naked behind this curtain. <laughs> it's like, maybe I shouldn't be cheating with him. Well, getting him to cheat, whatever. A little dangerous what she's gotten herself involved in. Maybe she didn't fully get that. Should listen to the barkeep. <laughs> the problem is, though, so after this guy gets stabbed and he falls off the table, or off the chair, Lucy may have gasped. She made some sort of movement in front of that curtain because she was looking out of the curtain a little bit. So right at that moment, Ruth turns and can kind of see something behind the curtain. So she knows something's going on. So then she's like all tired from stabbing this guy. She's like, I'm going to go, go over here. And then John Samuels is like, what, baby? Where are you going? What? Nothing's going on. What? <laughs> He's like, no, she's going to find it. And so she sashays herself over there with her frizzy hair. She opens the curtain. And there's Lucy in her bra and underwear, holding clothes up against her, terrified. John Stamos has the gall to walk up to her and be like, what were you doing in here? How dare you? I, I can't mean, believe you've been in here. At this point, this is just self-preservation, though. She's in her bra and underwear, which Ruth even points out. She's like, oh, like, yeah, this is fooling me. She's half naked. and like, I, I love the turn of phrase that she used. Doesn't she say, and a bitch's tits are coming out of a bra? Yeah, something like <laughs> something that. Like that. What are you doing here, huh? Johnny! Huh? Are you, are you trying to get her combination of her safe? Is that you trying to steal my baby's money? Is that what you're trying to do? Oh, you huh? bastard! Shut the fuck Give up. me a fucking break, will you, Johnny? My God, the bitch is standing there in her lacy panties. Her nipples are busted through her brassiere, and you're going to tell me that you don't know how she got in here. All right, baby, I, I swear Johnny. to God. Oh, don't you get it. Don't you ever learn. Don't you ever learn. How many times do I got to go through oh. shit? Oh. How many bimbos I gotta slice and dice before you keep that thing zipped? No more, I swear. More. Kiss me. <laughs> I'm sorry, baby. I'm so sorry. And then he's all, like, mad trying to act up. And he smacks her. But look, it's like his shirt's already open. He looks sweaty. And she's half naked in the, yeah, in the other room. Yeah, it's pretty what, obvious what's What going does on. it look like? Yeah, he's, she's like, look, her nipples are going to bust through that. Yeah, yeah, okay, that's what I meant. <laughs> she's like, don't lie to me. And so he, then, like, she hits him. And this is where part of it, like, even the two guys, the two. Um, oh, they're having fun. The two, like, minions or whatever in the back, Tony and Frank. 
are just like, ooh, yeah, he's going to get it tonight. <laughs> but this is where it kind of gets a little sad, even though I know Johnny's not perfect and he got himself probably in this situation. But he's also kind of abused. She hits him, he can't leave. Like, it's kind of like a... Yeah, it's a... Uh, it's I a mean, situation. It I mean, it, it does exist. And then, so then she's like making out with him and she's like, oh uh, yeah, that's right. Like re- reasserting her dominance. <laughs> yeah, she's basically like peeing on him. She's like, <laughs> she's like, that's right, Lucy, he mine. So then it cuts back again to the next day in the forest. Uh, Lucy's taken, her clothes are gone now, just like it was back in the other scene. And then it cuts to the limo. So for a second, I almost kind of thought it was John Stamos's body. Like I thought maybe he was being killed for having the affair. Yeah. But then it's not really, think about it, yeah, it's that Willard yeah. guy. You, you do end up, like, there's a lot of, it makes you kind of assume things, and then it's like, nope. Yeah, like at first so. I was like, oh, is this because, you know, they got in trouble, but no. So Stamos is still alive, he's still in the back of the limo with her, he knows Lucy's gonna die. I think this has happened before, as it's been implied, I think maybe once or twice, like he's maybe had to have girls have No, to... no, it, it has, yeah. yeah they, this is why I don't relate to him, this is why I don't think that he's any better than ruth or any of these other guys because he's, he's bad at willfully, not getting caught he's willfully involving these women and getting them killed yeah but they're also and getting involved with a guy who is linked romantically to a mob boss you know there are probably people that date people for the mob and don't get killed right off the bat all the time come on but yeah he is kind of <laughs> taking the risk of knowing but he also knows it is a self-preservation in a way too because he also knows she'll forgive him enough times well, if he grovels enough to ruth this other chick will die and he won't at the same time, you have to think, okay, what's more important? That I get laid with some other chick and I get her killed just for, to satisfy my jollies? Is that all worth it? You have to think about the mind. I don't think he's remotely a good person at no. all. His character is awful. So then now Ruth turns to him in the limo and she's like, you know what? I'd feel so much better if you killed her yourself. And he's like, is that what you want, baby? You know, or whatever. So <laughs> then he's like, fine, I'll do it. So he gets out of the car, and he comes up to Frank, and he's like, she wants me to do it. So he takes the gun from Frank, and he's looking at Lucy, and she's like, I can't believe this is going to happen, Johnny, I can't believe. And then he looks, like, real sad, and she, he tells her to turn around. And so she turns around, and it's, like, a, it's pretty tense, you know, and she's looking up, and you're like, is he going to do it? What's going to happen? And he's got the gun to the back of her head. And then <laughs> it gets a little crazy, because then he turns... Because you know something's going to happen. You're like, I think it's going to end like this. Well, no. There's like five more minutes left. <laughs> so he turns. He grabs Frank. He sticks the gun into his stomach instead of just shooting him in the head. He sticks it into his stomach and lets out like eight rounds. Uh, this, this is one of those bottomless magazine kind of deals here, yes. folks. So this becomes this becomes the tale of all the guns with just endless clips. Like there's so many <laughs> bullets in there. So he like releases six to eight into this guy. Fires off another six to eight more in their general direction. Yeah, so then he, he kills Frank Turns. Tony, Frank Sloan's character, tries to pull a gun out. It's not quick enough or misses. And then he gets shot. And then Johnny grabs the other two guns and he's after the car now. So he's going after Ruth. And so I'm assuming Ruth jumps into the front. There's not a driver. Well, Ruth was already... She was in the back seat. Oh, that's right. She was in the back seat. I guess we're not meant to question it. I guess there was a driver. There has yeah, to there, be, no, unless was she was able to move oh, fast no, no, enough. No, there, 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 there probably was a driver. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Go back more. So the car drives does, away. Does it matter? <laughs> yes, it does. So the car drives away, and what's fun is the back of the license plate says Ruthless. That's of what course. her license plate says. And so she drives away, and he's shooting all the time, just endless, 
endless rounds on these both these guns. Yeah. Pew 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 pew. So I she, mean, you see it so much in media. After a certain point, you just don't care anymore. So now it's kind of like an action scene. So he runs over and he puts his suit coat over her, and they hug, and they're like, "Oh my god, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I love you. You know, I'm so sorry." Let's go get revenge and get the money out of that safe. So now it cuts to the lounge. And it's kind of fun because, like, they walk in. She's only got the suit coat on with her bra and underwear. And then he's got his shirt open and stuff. He, like, knocks on the lounge and, like, all the guys, like, the lounge door. And all the guys are like, what? You know, what's going on? They go to get the lounge doors, right? And then Johnny has, like, the gun pointing at his crotch, which I hate, too. Because it's oh, so dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. And he pulls it out and turns to the side and shoots the guy who checks the door. So this just becomes an all-out gunfight. So A gunfight with no one taking cover. <laughs> Everyone and, just standing and shooting. And she's got sunglasses on, and some of the other guys got sunglasses on. I will give Johnny some credit. At least he hits the deck. Kind yeah, of. it's kind of a cool scene. Like they're, It's very like... I it's say, a, poor, a poor man's like uh, Robert Rodriguez movie. Well, I want to say like LA Confidential, but I don't know if that's... Kind of. Like, uh, just like no, a shoot em up Yeah, like the 80s action movie shoot em yeah, up Yeah, they're like up against each other. Like and, a Chuck Norris movie. Everyone's just shooting yeah, like at each that, other like without like, any logic whatsoever. <laughs> Not a trace of out everyone in the lounge except for Ruth and even the guy behind the bar is shooting at them and they're shooting at him like everyone's dying so Ruth goes and runs back so they kill everybody they kill everybody except for Ruth I love uh Lucy takes her glasses off like she just swings them off like like the opposite of the guy on that show (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah what's that show called oh was it Miami Vice is it 24 no no god no sorry I was asking (laughs) is it CSI so it might York? be. So you say Miami. The guy puts it on. He's like, yo! But it's like backwards. <laughs> yo! Referencing things that we've never watched, kids. Yeah. I just like that part. And then Lucy comes back and gets to Ruth. She's starting to run into her office. Ruth has a gun to Lucy's neck. Lucy has a gun to her neck. They're staring each other down. You know, they're like, oh, my God. And Ruth kind of looks like she might be even crying a little bit. Yeah. Betrayal. And, and then John Stamos shows up, and they both got guns in her. So she's like, "Well, I guess two's better than one, more than one." So I'll put my gun down. Oh, actually, she, he's got three. So it's yeah, it's a the three against one because he's got two guns. So they pull Ruth up to the safe, and they're like, "Give us the combination, or we're gonna shoot you." Numbers, Johnny, please, Johnny, I gave you everything. Shut the fuck up. Had oh. to put honey all over your ugly goat face and stick you out for the fire ants. What are the numbers, Ruth? Come on, Ruth, what are the numbers? 21. Uh-huh. 34. 16 and 42. Thank you. 21. 21. Woo! We hit the mother load. <laughs> You're doing fine, ma'am. <laughs> what did if you take off that mink? Uh, shame to bloody it up. Then you can't get into the safe. I guess you just shoot the safe. But I think I guess they're trying to make it to where it doesn't look like it's been stolen from. If you can open the safe. Like, it's less <laughs> trackable, I guess. So she gives them the code. They open the safe. And ta-da! There's money in there. Yay, money! 
now they're like saying the same kind of lines that she was saying to them earlier. Yeah, like ironic throwing it back in her galore. face. Well, and so Lucy's like, I like that fur coat. Give it to me. So then Ruth's like taking her fur coat off, and she's like, Yeah. And then they have Ruth turn around, and John Stamos is gonna do the same kind of scene uh, where she, he's gonna shoot her. I like how it's like goes back and forth. Like everything swaps a lot in this episode. She's got the coat on, the jewelry. Um, she had to take her clothes off in the jewelry in the other scene. Like it's kind of like a back and forth. So it's kind of fun. So he kills Ruth on the floor. He like, <laughs> he just he's really down. like just trigger happy on that. So now they're like, yay, we got the money. Oh my God, we're in love or whatever. So now the tables turn. So Lucy instead takes the cash and then she turns the gun on Johnny. And she's like, I'm doing this oh, by myself. Oh, betrayal again. So now you're like, oh no, twist. So then now. Hard cut. Hard cut to her getting shot in the head back in the forest. Bam. It's a little gruesome. Bam, hole right through the forehead, and there she is. She and then drops. Drops, cuts to Johnny's face. He looks dead inside. So he shoots her. So what that all was was fake. That's where we get, I think, the what if in the description. So it's a, a thing of what if we were able to get out of this situation and go get the money. I think this was a way of him validating killing her anyway, because then in his mind, she would have screwed him over to begin with. Yeah. When I first was seeing this scene, I was really thinking that this was like her fantasizing about it just in that space of time where she has the gun held to the back of her head. She's imagining all of this just to escape from reality for a bit because the way that that whole sequence is shot is very different from the rest of the episode. Yeah, it's the rest of the episode foggy. is very matter of fact. Um, everyone's moving more or less in kind of like a real kind of real time way. Whereas that last scene, it's it's shot like an over-the-top, schlocky 80s action movie. It's very different in tone from the rest of the episodes. So I thought off the bat, it was a fantasy. But I thought it was her having that fantasy. But I agree with you. I yeah, think that I think he is. Him. I think that he is having this just to justify. That's the only well, way he can survive is by yeah. giving himself, like taking that power, taking that guilt from him. Yeah, like he put, like reframing this as it was either me or her. Yeah, and she would have screwed yeah. me over. So exactly. You know, I might as well just do that. And so. you know what? Maybe that's maybe he was right, but we'll never know. I have so. a feeling she was in on it. I don't think she would have backstabbed it. Yeah. So he kills her. So now Lucy's dead. So that's the reality of it. There was no bang bang shoot him up, which makes sense because also, yeah. well, the fact that those guns had unlimited clips. That's enough. That is interesting. That's yeah. an interesting because it was yeah. more of a, a it was a dream sequence yeah. type thing. So like I said, we get so used to it in media that we just assume that everyone who makes who creates these kind of things will just have like a gun go off like hundred times without reloading, right? Yeah. You know, maybe this is one more little kind of take. So now Lucy's dead. They're all standing there. Johnny hands the gun back to Frank. Uh, Tony comes over with the axe. He's like, well, I already did the one guy. I guess I'll take care of her too. Hack, hack, hack. Oh, I live for this. But yeah, he doesn't really have any blood on him whatsoever. So what is yeah, this supposed to be protecting a, him from? It's a little strange. So then Ruth is so creepy. She like looks out the window. And she's like, come on, that's that's Cruella de Vil that, right that is, Okay, that's definitely a Cruella de Vil vibe. She's got her chin up. She's like, that's right. He killed her for me. You know? start singing about killing puppies next. So then dead-eyed and, and sad, he lights up another cigarette, and then he's like, come in, sweetie, and comes back into the limo, and that's it. James, baby. Well, that's five Ks for the kids. Step aside, boys. Give me a little elbow room. Sweet cake shouldn't take too long. Who knows? Might be able to catch the last few innings. How's it back? Marta. Johnny! 
Coming, sweetheart. That's the end of the episode. It's just a continuation of how his life is as this gigolo or whatever for this mob boss. And um, well, I said she's a mob-connected older woman, but I'm pretty sure she's a mob boss. I wouldn't say this episode's, like, super amazing, as in, like... It's not bad. I mean, it's, it's not it's, bad. It's, it's one of the more, in retrospect, memorable ones for me. But I really like how it was written. I yeah. think it was well written in the fact that there's this... Like, I completely fell for the dreamlike sequence. Afterwards, I was like, oh, that didn't even, even happen. I didn't, though. Like, it was just so over the top, I was certain it had to have been something. Well, sometimes Tales from the Crypt's pretty over the top. I know, but just the, the tonal shift, I guess, is what did it for yeah, me. Yeah, I guess. I mean, it was slightly off in the way it looks. Then again, I like to I like to think about that all the time. And once you start watching enough weird, surrealistic David Lynch or Ingrid Bergman movies, you kind of like, okay, what is really going on here you, you start questioning about everything so when something's played straight then you're like oh well, that's stupid <laughs> i really did like the way it was written in the back and forth i think it was done fairly seamlessly because there's been a couple episodes where i'm like i feel like a scene's missing and it just skips to yeah, something else. yeah but do, i think this one was tied together pretty well some episodes you do get that feeling and who knows it could be the case in fact I mean, you have to cut these things down for runtime. So. so that's the end of the episode, season five, episode thirteen. Till death do we part. It cuts back to the crypt keeper. Now he's in baseball attire. Mm-hmm. He's he's not just commentating comment, commenting on the game. He is the game. Yes, and he's uh, got a hat and um, he's pitching to the, the to catcher. To like mannequins. Yeah, and there's a C on his hat and, and he hits their heads off. Like there's no heads, but he hits their I guess mannequin heads off with the ball. Their helmets off. And he's just throwing puns and having a great time. <laughs> Crypt Keeper, you're so punny. And the best Crypt Keeper pun is... That Lucy, what a cut-up! <laughs> I bet she wishes she were the one on the chopping spree. There is some IMDb trivia for this one. In the Crypt Keeper's introduction, like I was saying earlier about the baseball diamond, they go a little more into it. In the Crypt Keeper's introduction, the baseball diamond diagram lists... lists Gaines on the pitcher's mound and Feldstein on the home plate. This is reference to William Gaines and Alf Feldstein, who were respectively the publisher and the prominent writer-artist for the original Tales from the Crypt comic book. So I guess you would have the publisher throwing the ball to the writer and artist. Yeah. I find it interesting. I mean, I guess they just assumed that the uh, Evan Costello reference was so, like, well-known that they didn't even bother to throw that in there, too. That's really but, cute. I mean, I didn't, that's yeah. what they were going for. I Who's on first? Cute. What's on second? I don't know. It's on third. It's one of those oh, things that... guts on um, second. What's on second? Yeah, guts on second. Yes. Yeah, okay, who? what's third? I don't know. It's on third. But they, oh, that's well, they might then they were like, you know, I mean, obviously <laughs> it doesn't. It's, it's not like a strict kind of thing. All right. So another trivia thing is the dream sequence involving the gun battle at Ruthless Roots is very close to the opening sequence of the movie The Killer from 1989 by John Woo. For example, John Stamos enters by knocking on the door, shooting someone in the stomach, forcing his way in using two guns, one in each hand, simultaneously, and then shooting the bartender who is armed with a shotgun. There is also a Mexican standoff between Kate Vernon and Eileen Brennan, which is very common in the John Woo movie. The storyline also, or another bit here, is the storyline closely resembles the short story The Occurrence at Owl Creek Oh yeah, Bridge. it does. It Have really does. That? Yeah, Ambrose Bierce story. Yeah. Where he, um, a man basically has a whole kind of dream sequence while he, right before he's hung. And then you kind of think that, oh, he's gotten free. Well, not oh, and then you find out here, yeah. No. It's been a while since I watched it, to be honest. I think I mainly remember it from the fact that it was a Twilight Zone episode, I want to say. Either that or Old Outer Limits. I have to look into that. Also, the sports cast heard throughout makes many references to a pitcher named Scott Nimifro, who was in fact a frequent associate producer and contributing writer for the series. So they do a bunch of little shout-outs yeah. in this episode. So yeah, that's the end of the episode. Season 5, episode 13, Till Death Do We Part. Next, we'll be jumping into season 6, 
with season six, episode one, Let the Punishment Fit the Crime. Mike, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. It was a joy. Did you have a great time? As always. <laughs> and thank you all so much for downloading and listening to this episode. You can follow the Good Evening Kitties podcast on Facebook as well as Twitter at GEK Podcast or at Gek Podcast. Please leave a five-star review on iTunes, Podcast Republic, or Facebook, and I will read it on the podcast. Have a good one. Be safe out there. Bye. Bye. Just had quite a scare. I actually thought my heart.